the project. Kuwait. Learn. Learn. All right. So Dr. D's got the giggle. So I'm going to do the introduction here. In today's episode, I really don't crack any jokes in the whole hour. We had Cindus from Abolish on talking about honor killing. It was an amazing episode. First, she starts with introducing what Abolish 153, which is a law of honor killing, which I didn't even know it exists, but it still exists. I thought that it was out of our law. It's not. Then she goes on to tell us about some of the cases that they have and the services they offer, which is not a lot. And the last segment was about the lack of support or how they want to make some changes to help all these like victims or survivors. It was amazing. Even me as a psychologist working here, I didn't know half of the stuff that she was talking about. No, it definitely was. I loved from like minute 20 to minute 40 when she was just talking about all the different laws and the loopholes that exist in the society. And, you know, That's right. and then we got into a little bit of, I'd say, politics and us losing sponsors because there are a lot of what? large organizations. I went off at the end. I had my rant. Oh, you I did had go my absolute off. rant. <laughs> so stay tuned for that. That's around hour marker, I would say. Where you're asking for all these big companies to help out because we were very surprised that they yeah, didn't have a lot of Yeah, big companies and influencers. No one's really lending a hand to CSR, Corporate Social Responsibility. That's right. She gave a lot of information. And for those people, even the ones in Kuwait, but if you're not in Kuwait, you really want to know what happens with some of our loss. You have to listen to this episode. So enjoy this episode. Tell your friends and family about the Project Kuwait and leave us a rating and review and you might win a t-shirt. All this and more in today's episode. So she did the triathlons at a time when it was uh, unacceptable to be in bathing suit and to swim with other men. And she did it. She did two triathlons in Kuwait. Amazing. And then she did the Ironman and she kept on doing it. And still just now she did another one. But she opened Inspire out of passion and out of no wanting to have the right sports introduced to people. And yeah. it shouldn't be just gimmick. And uh, it's nice. It's nice. It's a great gym. Yeah. It's it's definitely a great gym. I went there for a while. I definitely went there. I enjoyed it. it was, yeah. They have a beautiful facility. I know. In Sahara. Where's inspired by Sahara? Hey. Hey. There's two. There's one in Bidda. There's one Bidda. Bidda is the small, one I've seen. Yeah. Very small. Bidda is a beautiful, beautiful hey. facility yeah, yeah. also. They have, uh, for all the power lifters out there, they have yeah. a Lyco plates. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. They're, they're Lyco certified, if I'm not mistaken. That is true. Not certified, but they have all they the have plates. A, yeah. yeah. They have a really good facility. But Sahara has the right facility, the beautiful setting, the swimming pool, the, swimming pool, the horses, the and golf I think they're going to open up a few more. They're expanding a little bit there as well. Oh, that's amazing. Yeah. That's really, that's good to know. Yeah. That's good to know. I might switch back there. I'm the opposite of the sports. Really? I, I don't do what she does. <laughs> no? You no. don't do it? You don't do I do sports? sports, but not like her. Not at all. No? No. no. I like sports as in skiing, uh, scuba diving, and that kind of... She doesn't like machines. She depends completely on her uh, physical abilities. So oh, wow. Quite wow. different. Twins but I, I think I've seen her work out before. Yeah? She's pretty hardcore. I've seen her on the Instagram before for Inspire. Okay. And she does a lot of things where I'm like, wow, that's 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 yeah. pretty advanced. I'm She's surprised. quite shy about it talking about it or anything like that but she she's passionate about it and without her knowing she's introduced new t train of thought with people so at a time when women were not supposed to do one two three you know now she has metejbez and going out and doing triathlons and all of that yeah. without people knowing you introduce change and then that change becomes unnoticed because people it's part of an umbrella of things which is for instance sports and she's recently hired ali jamal and I'm going to give him a shout out. I love that guy. Nicest guy in Kuwait. Yeah, she's hiring a lot of Kuwaiti trainers too. I got to support 
companies when they're bringing up the local talent, especially trainers, because it's a field that's dominated by the Westerns, like, you know, the I was going to say, and I think that's great because most of the time when you think of trainers, you never think local Kuwaitis. You know, you always think of this, every time someone says trainer, I always assume that they're either Westerners or European or, you know, even like if they're Lebanese or... Yeah. So it's nice to have that. If they're qualified. If they're qualified. Well. But yeah, yeah, exactly. But yeah. the idea is, is that it's nice that she's, you know, promoting us, that there are trainers, there are Kuwaitis yeah. that are working, you know mm-hmm. what I mean? Women and men. Uh, yeah, no, definitely. Yeah. And she vets them really well. Yeah. Too. She has like the trainers she has there are pretty good. Like they're by my standards. Okay, good. Good. <laughs> well, good. now you're motivating me. I'll I, tell her about it too. Yeah. <laughs> would, she, would she come on? I don't know. I'm going gonna, gonna to call her out right now because we're recording. Yeah. So can you convince her to come on the podcast? Tell us how Inspire started. We have to give her a good experience here. Rade, if, Rade, my sister, my twin, my sports uh, uh, soulmate, you need to come and do a podcast about sports and importance of sports Thank and you. Inspire. Oh, Thank good. You. Thank yeah. you. Thanks, thanks, thanks for the shout out. Thanks for the shout out. No, <laughs> Well, let's get started. Sundus, can you tell us a little bit about you? And then we can talk, especially about where you started with the advocacy of Apollos. Okay, so my name is Sundus Hussain. I'm an advocate for women uh, uh, issues for a long, long time now. I've worked in many, many fields. We started Abolish, uh, five of us. We are founders. And we started it after we got our um, rights in 2005. And then we heard about an incident in Birmingham where father who was with his daughter. She's studying in Birmingham in the UK. And he was just always with her, going to her school, university, following her wherever she goes. He embarrassed her a little bit. She didn't feel very comfortable. And they started a little bit of an argument. And it seems that uh, one day at home, he was asking her to put down the phone and speak to him. And she said, let me finish the phone call. Let me finish the phone call. He considered that to be a bit rude. And he took a knife and stabbed her 16 times. Killed her, of course. Later on, after the investigation, uh, he admitted it. And uh, when the police asked him about this, he said, well, I did it in the name of honor. And we have an article 153 in the penal code in Kuwait. And you have to try me on that. Of course, it shocked us that he killed her. Of course, it shocked us that he he's that kind of person. But what shocked us is his knowledge. He knew all the way there that there is an article in Kuwait when nobody, hardly anybody knew about it, it, its existence which allowed honor killing. Of course, he was not tried on that in the UK and so on and so forth. So we decided that we will uh, use this article as our first law to try to abolish since it is the most gruesome law. It's a law that does not need to exist, honestly, because you have adultery law anyway. It is a law that uh, contradiction with uh, religion and it's in contradiction with the constitution because it is applicable only to or on women, it's not applicable, vice versa. While so, so wait a minute. A man could kill his wife or his sister if he sees them with another man. Mm-hmm. Adultery. Adultery. Or, or any but a di- woman cannot, can, can, no, cannot, cannot, cannot kill her this, husband no. if he's cheating no. on her. So it's, it's only a one-way kind of a, a lot. No way. I honestly thought like the, the whole no. like, adultery was adultery, whether you were male it or female. Should be. And that's the other penal code, which is the adultery code. And the adultery code says azani wazania. So it means that you have, you, you know, you go by the system of men and women and all both of them, they're all partners. In Kuwait, it's only applicable to men. And not only that, actually, it's a Napoleonic law. It's called um, crime of passion. 
it went from France to Egypt and from Egypt to us. But when it went to France, to, from France to Egypt, it was again on the wife only. It's applicable to the wife. Came to us, it changed to he could kill her, kill his wife, his sister, his mother, his aunt, his cousin, any female kin in the family. If he sees her in an adulterous position, didn't say adultery, so mukhil lisharaf, right? Uh, kills her, kills him, kills them, or kills them both. And the penalty is three years in prison. And get this, when we first came in, it was 3,000 rupees. So either three years in prison or 3,000 rupees. 14 KD or something When we like came that? in and we started discussing this with Ministry of uh, Justice and so on, and they realized that it's still in rupees, they changed it. And now it's around 24 KD. Yeah, so... Two people, two souls. Two souls. And it doesn't even say that it requires witness. This is what really, like anyone can claim that this crime was, you know, happened because he assumes that she was in an adulterous kind of a exactly. position. So she could be standing talking to a guy yeah. and he might assume that this guy or a colleague or even in, in college, yeah. right? Yeah. And, and no one has, but the religion doesn't say that, Of correct? course the religion doesn't say that. The religion was very clear about the specifications of what constitutes an adultery. And basically, it's so hard to prove unless they both admitted, both admitted. And that is the other law, which is the Zani wa Zaniya. And this one, it doesn't need any of your, uh, no consensus, nobody's there. And there's a word in Arabic, also in the law, that, uh, in the code, it says, Waman faja'a. You know how the Arabic is very different. Faja'a versus fuji'a. Faja'a means you went in, you saw something, you didn't like it, you got out, you, you're thinking of um, to do something. So you go to the kitchen and you get a knife and you kill them. Fujia is instantaneous. You come in, you see something you don't like, you pick up something right next to you and you kill them. So even with that, that is not a crime of passion because crime of passion is instantaneous. You feel it, you do it. So anyway, either way, we don't believe that this law should exist. And we started advocacy campaign with the parliament. We just started an advocacy Now, camp. does this exist in Saudi Arabia? Does all it over the Gulf. So it exists all over the Gulf. It's, it's not just Kuwait. Actually, it exists in the whole Arabian Peninsula. Really? But certain countries, it's a nomadic. So it's not really an Islamic law. <laughs> I find this like hard to believe. I find it even more interesting that you said it went from France to mm -hmm. Egypt. So did Egypt have the same thing? But they changed, they kept it only for the, but Egypt abolished it. Uh, okay. Lebanon abolished it. Jordan abolished it. We're not. The Middle East didn't. Dubai, I heard, the Emirates, I heard, uh, they didn't abolish it. They do, however, made some changes in which the woman is also able to kill her husband. Oh, they, okay. But they had a caveat there. What they did is they said, only if this happens in her bed. So if she sees her husband in a with, hotel, hotel, no. no. Anywhere else, no. This is like the most sexist law I've ever seen in my life. I, I honestly, I didn't even know it existed. And it's like, okay, what if I take out an insurance policy on my wife and then I just kill her and say, hey, it's an honor it was an killer. honor killer. Yeah. Yeah. You know, can people do that? Like, is there, yeah, would there can. be an investigation? Let me tell you something. Like in 90% in of the time, when it goes to the court, the judge is wise enough to realize that this is, uh, you cannot activate 153 because he had the time to think about it. He didn't have witnesses, da, 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 all of that. So they drop the 153 excuse and the judge tries the perpetrator as um, normal crime 
not misdemeanor and either gets um, life in prison or he gets adam adam is very very rare very rare but the point is even this is what they always argue with us well nobody is using it nobody is actually getting away with it my point is people think they can get away with it so they end up killing the wife or the sister or the mother but then again he's not going to get away with it for imagine this family husband and wife and kids he killed the wife thinking he'll get away with it in with the 25 kd goes there and he gets 25 years in prison no father no mother so why should we have that law anyway even if the you know it's even it's useless because it. because it does not stop the perpetrator from doing the crime that's right that's right so today we have a lot of missing women and when we ask about you know when people report them missing like their friends or their cousins they said they went to saudi to get married or they went whatever to get married but nobody knows where they are there's no proof and there could be a possibility of yeah. you know that they were murdered yeah that's right no when you were talking it reminded me at one time in the us you know people were like thinking that well it's self defense i can kill this person or you know it in the name of self defense a lot of people were thinking that if i you know like if it's a domestic kind of uh, argument and people are thinking, well, if I kill my wife or if I kill, you know, my husband, then I can claim that it's self-defense and therefore I'll get away with it. Obviously they don't, but you're right. I think a lot of times people are, are acting because they're angry and they're assuming that this is going to get them, you know, they're going to get murder. Yeah. Yeah. And we've seen cases. I mean, there was a case in the beginning of our uh, uh, campaign when, um, a daughter was taken to the hospital and she was killed. She's dead. The, they, the parents and the, the son uh, took her to the hospital and, and said, this is our daughter. And the hospital said, she's dead. Why, are you, why is she here? Goes because we killed her. And the doctor was very shocked because usually you don't go to the hospital if that is the case. Goes, why, out of curiosity, why did you kill her? And then, you know, we realized this later. They, she didn't have her monthly um, menstrual period. And the mother thought that she's pregnant. So they hung her on a fan. And for three days, the father and the son took turns on hitting her. And she died, of course, right? That's just sick. That's very sick. sick. What's more sick is that when they did the autopsy, they realized that she had cysts. Fibromatosis or fibro something. Something like that. She had cysts. That's why. And then she didn't, you know. So what happened to them? No, of course, the court system looks at this uh, without uh, any passion whatsoever. There's no, you need, it's uh, uh, it's for life. It's a crime. It's a crime. Thank God. It's a crime. And did they think they were going to use the 153? Yeah, but but she's 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 dead. dead Because they misunderstood. They misunderstood uh, the whole thing. So I have a question. And you brought this up earlier when we were talking before we started recording and that was when you said you had to put yourself in the perpetrator's mentality. You had to put yourself in the mentality of the person that doesn't understand the law or doesn't get it. And now I'm starting to understand that a little bit more. Can you kind of dive into that a little bit of how you can, like how you had to put yourself in the mindset, why you had to put yourself in the mindset? Well, today we had a two-day conference and it was all about uh, violence against women and so on and so forth. And we talked about many issues. There were lawyers, there was district attorney, there were many people talking about these, the changes that they need to make to the law, both for 153 and for bringing new laws to protect women from violence against them. By the way, there's no law to protect women from violence in Kuwait. So 
one of the young men came to me and he said, what do you expect me to do? If I see my sister in such a position, what do you expect me to do? I said, I expect you to do anything but to kill her because maybe I won't kill her, but I'm, I'm supposed to hit her. I said, why are you supposed to hit her? He goes, I'm the man. I'm the protector. I said, why do you think you're the protector? He goes, because I'm the elder brother. So we have a whole system in Kuwait or in the, in the Arab world where a man feels that he's responsible for the purity of a woman. And they've been told this over and over and over again to the point where they've actually now not only believe it, but they see no other role for them except to protect their women from any impurity. And I said, what if you come in and she's talking to someone on the phone and that someone is a man? Would you have to do the same thing? He goes, of course. We don't have the concept of her speaking to a man. Therefore, I would do the same. So I think, you know, part of our work in Abolish and Ithar today is is to change mindsets, educate people, go out. Because the first time we started, they said, people were up, up against us. Said, Why are you promoting zina? Why are you pr- promoting adultery? And we're saying, we're not promoting it. So we're trying to explain back and forth. And now I think we've gained momentum and there's a lot of CSOs and NGOs in Kuwait that have accepted the word violence, the word honor killing in a time when, you know, five years ago, people were just looking at us as if we were, you know, this is impossible to talk about. But there is a big part of society that we could not penetrate. And I think this is where our next move has to be, which is to go to the tribal areas and see how we can work with them and make them understand that these kind of discussions should not ever be happening. But I mean, like you said, it's a mindset. I remember now that we're talking about it, like my memories, you know, of when I was a child and my, my father saying, Interrayal. You know, in English, that means you're the man of the family. You have to take care of everybody. It's your responsibility that your sister, you know, stays out of trouble. It's this. I mean, I remember when I was a kid, we didn't think anything of it. My sister was riding a bike. My dad came home, yelled at all of us. And, you know, it kind of spiraled from there. My father was educated in the United States. He lived in the United States for like 15, 20 years. But he still had that mindset of the whole honor thing. And, you know, and it was explained to my mother, like, oh, what if like, you know, something happened? She was on the bike. Girls aren't supposed to ride the bike. They're not supposed to sit on the seat. They're not supposed to say this. And now that you're talking about this, I'm like, wow, I never would have thought of it in this day and age going back 20 years of that whole situation that transpired. And it's just it's amazing that people still have that mentality. That's exactly. So when your dad was telling you, you're the man. You know, you are supposed to be the protector. He's already penetrating ideas that she is your honor. She is shut off and you have to protect her. And if she goes against the shut off, then it (laughs) means that it's you, the man, have to take care of it. So from the beginning, men like you, little boys grow up to believe that this is my job. Yeah. And if it wasn't for the Hadar kind of, or I wouldn't say Hadar and Bedu, I, I, I don't like that distinction, yeah. but there I agree, is, I agree with yeah, that, yeah, but there is a cultural gap yes. yeah. between two entities or three entities in Kuwait. And that cultural gap, partly because we've been maybe, maybe educated longer, maybe we've been exposed to many things that they have not been exposed to. Or traveling more. We've done things as women where we proved that working, meeting with men, sitting in a coffee shop and discussing something, uh, traveling in an airplane alone without the um, 
you know, chaperone, all of all of these eventually showed the society that we're not doing anything wrong and, and that we can uh, handle it and we can handle it. And then they just let go of their, you know, their fences. But that didn't happen out there and the other side because they couldn't travel alone. We were sitting with someone who said, you have two daughters. I said, yes. And she said, are you going to have another boy? I said, why? <laughs> and she said, well, you m- must get a boy. I said, no, no, we've agreed, me and my husband, that we get two daughters. She said, Mahvuda, you're very lucky. I said, why? She goes, I, have, I don't have that choice. I have to get this many boys and this many girls. And it, uh, yeah. it's sad. Mm. It's sad, especially since Kuwait is talking about women empowerment now. But how can you empower women when they're scared? How can you say to women who are intelligent and, and have been educated and all of that, that you can become anything you want, but she can't because when she goes home, she might be hit, she might be abused. We have a case where a very well-known doctor, medical doctor, very strong. You would not think that she's that kind of person. She's strong. She goes to conferences and whatever. She comes home and she gets abused. Wow. Physically abused. But there's no protection for her. So there is nothing for women in general? Domestic like there's, violence? There's nothing yeah. for domestic violence? No. I mean, in the States, they have, you know, they have shelters built yeah. up. They have we don't have shelters. Programs. And we don't, and, but we have a restraining order here, right? Okay. So you can go to the police station and right. you can raise a case against your abuser and then go home to your abuser. Or if you're lucky, you can they go can't to... They can come home and take him out of the house? Not unless it's very severe. So like if it's like very, severe, very meaning severe, meaning he almost killed her. And at that point, he has the police will go and take him out and keep him in the makhfar for about two to three days, maximum seven days. Again, he's going to come back. And until so the they qadiyya. don't have a restraining order where he has to stay out, like in the U.S.? Only when the qadiyya keeps on going, right? So if you have a so case... So she has to press charges. So she press charges. But then she'll be pressured to not press charges. Because she's back with him. That's right. So that's why we had to start Ithar, because all of a sudden we're talking about honor killing, but the ones who are giving us calls now are people who are abused, ladies who are abused, but can't get away from their abusers. So they ask us, can you help us? And we didn't know what to do. So we did, again, Ithar, and through Ithar, two venues. One venue is to advocate for laws to protect women from uh, uh, domestic abuse, uh, to ask for shelters, while the other venue is to help them. So we take them. So do we, we have we, shelter now? No. So where do you take So them? in 2017, me and my colleague Amira Bahbahani went to uh, the U- uh, CEDAW, the UN, and we talked about this. And Kuwait promised that they'll have shelters. And two days after the CEDAW meeting, Kuwait announced the opening of a shelter. Oh, okay. And still till today, that shelter is just an empty building. Huh. So nobody can use? No, Nobody. There is no staff. There is no uh, nothing. And where is it located? I don't, I don't think know. I'm I mean, supposed to a, say. But is it's it like a, farther or is no, it in No, it's in Ahmadi. Oh, okay. Yeah, but it, it has a two, two parts. No, I was just hoping that it's not like in the, in the desert. No, it's not in the desert. It, it has a shelter. So the oh, counseling nice. center okay. is day in, day out. So, And then you have the, the actual shelter. But they didn't open them. But what's the delay? First, the delay, they didn't want to do anything about it. They just played Who's the in charge of this? Ministry of Social Affairs. Okay, and then? And then we went back to the parliament. We had three meetings with the women committee. We went back and forth discussing with the Ministry of Social Affairs. We came up with a draft law. We gave them a draft law. We as Ithar and abolished a draft law for the protection of women. They had another draft law. We said, let's consolidate whatever. Nothing happened. And the shelters, nothing happened. And till today, 
they just in September announced the opening of another four shelters. And we said, okay, where's the first one? Why are you announcing four shelters when the first one does not exist? I'm sorry. I'm still in complete and Why are they announcing? at all this. Like we literally we don't live have in the shelter. wild, wild west. Yeah. It's, it's literally the wild, wild west. And we are in one of the most advanced countries in the world. And we and don't have richest. a shelter. And the richest. It's unbelievable. That's, that's... And what did our Amir get as an award? Amir al-Insaniya. Yeah. Humanitarian award. Yeah. So if anything, we should honor that word we, for yeah. him. No, we I should we, we should make it happen, uh, realize that award by making things in a way like it took 10 years to for the child protection law to yeah. be passed. Yeah, yeah, that just got passed. It yeah. wasn't it yeah. has been too long yeah. either. And I always thought there was like child no. protection. No. I never knew that there was so, no child but protection. But I mean, no. what's the obstacle? It, There's is no it obstacle. The parliament? They don't tell you. Yeah, oh, it's then. between the parliament, minister of social affairs. I believe that they don't want to open the shelters. Because well, they're worried it, because it will be overpopulated. Yeah, yeah. No, it will mean that women have a way out, out of the uh, house. They have a way to get rid of, get, get, get away out. from their house. I mean, like... Because right now they don't, uh, unless their parents won't accept this. <clears throat> And then now, granted, there are a lot of parents will not accept this for their daughter. And as soon as she says he's hitting me, but then there's also another good number that say to their daughter, don't come back. You got to solve it with your husband, you know, because her mom had lived through the same situation. So she says to her, look, it happened to me. And when he gets a little older, he'll be fine. Have some more kids. Occupy yourself with them. Yeah. Uh, so there's no support. And if you don't have any support... Actually, you're very right. And we never advocate as a campaign or for immediate tensions between the the couples. Our lawyer, we have a volunteer lawyer, Adra Rifai, helps the victim. Or I don't like to say the word victim because eventually she is a survivor. So she will help the survivor by talking to the survivor and to the husband and to the family to try to solve it in a nice manner. And many times when you speak... When he sees that there is someone behind that, his wife, he'll take a step back and says, let me think about it. And it, and it, it solves itself. But it's only at the times when you can't reach that point that you need to help the women. So what do we do? We have to take these women with their children, find them places to stay, get the whole cycle started with the courts, with the psychologist, with the, we have volunteer psychologists, we have volunteer lawyer, we have, um, we're, we're hoping to get more. And we have a helpline since Ministry of uh, Social Affairs, a helpline only works nine to five and no weekends. And we, you guys have one? Have we a have one. one. Yeah. Oh, okay. All right. And 24 hours? Yeah, yeah. Whoa. But but it's again, we are not, we are self-funded. We do one event a year. It's an art exhibition fundraising event so that we can get a little bit of money so that we can continue our work because, you know, in Kuwait, Farag uh, Al-Amal doesn't have... Uh, funding which is fine but you know it's up to us to bring this money we didn't want the money to go on giving shelter and supporting them and you know giving them machla and all of these things but we do what we have to do now until the shelter is open and i'm really eager that two things happen shelters open and a, a law that protects women from abuse happens soon right which is something that asap we should yeah. be doing it there's another law that is, it's 182, and this will shock you, oh. in Kuwait. And it says that uh, if a woman gets raped and her dad accept, um, approves that, that her rapist marries her, then the charges are dropped. I heard that the makhfar, they force you mm-hmm. to marry her. Mm-hmm. Is that true? Yeah. They, uh, they, uh, they, say they ask is, you, yes, either sijin or oh, jail, yes. or you marry her. Yeah. 
And some people, obviously, they caught, they go for jail. Jail is one month? It what? It's nothing. But no, no, it's much more. The raping is much more. Oh, it's much more? Much more. But they go for the... Marriage? Marriage. Because you can divorce her after a couple of weeks? No, they cannot divorce her after a couple of weeks. You're not allowed to. But they the cannot, problem is, can you un- leave Can the, you imagine? Can you imagine what she's going through? Can you imagine? He raped me and now I have to live with my rapist. That's right. In Lebanon, they had a big campaign called My Dowry is My Rape. Yeah, wow. And they they abolished that law while in Kuwait it still exists. Right, right. So you're saying that if he rapes her, he could be a stranger and he rapes her. Can you imagine? No, I can't imagine. The violation that you're feeling and now you have to be his wife. (laughs) Yeah. Sorry, I I wasn't just fiddling on my phone for like five minutes. I was looking for a uh, post that I saw in Kuwait up to date, and this was recent. Uh, a survey on social violence by Kuwait Society for Human Rights showed 54% of women of various nationalities in Kuwait are victim of violence. The survey was presented by lawyers Atiab Shatli during a synopsis titled Towards National Visits Advocate. I wanted to read the percentages, which I think are the most alarming to me, which is psychological abuse, 45%, physical abuse, 36%, and then there is sexual abuse, 16%, and abuse at 2%. And then there was financial abuse, mm-hmm. which was also in there. This mm-hmm. is on Quake. Yeah, because it's, uh, it's... We're the ones who did the survey. You guys survey. did this? Okay, yeah. all right. So we did could, the survey you, and we got a professor to do it for us. Amazing, because I wanted to ask you about the financial abuse. Because when you were talking about the shelters and then women would have somewhere to go if there was abuse and they could go to the shelters. Now, a lot of women are afraid because of the financial perspective. That's true. You know, there are a lot of females in Kuwait that don't work and there is no, you know, there's And no there's support. no funding, yeah. Especially if our parents says, you know, I see them a lot at the clinic and, you know, should be abused. So we're talking about domestic violence now. It's no longer just physical and emotional. There's economical, right? So the idea is, is that even if he's not, let's say he's not beating her, he's not touching her, but he is holding money against her. He's trying constantly, even if she works, he takes her money from her. So that's all emotional and, you know, economical abuse. And she can't go anywhere. What about NGOs? Are there any nonprofit organizations that can open up a shelter? Is it is it legal to do? No, we can open counseling centers. And I think is going to open or is about to open a counseling so center. You, you can't open a shelter? Why? Because it's too demanding. It's too, it's, it's financially demanding. You cannot. Uh, I mean, that's true. But I mean, look at look at in the states. I mean, in the United States and in Europe, there are a lot of big companies like McDonald's, yeah. for for instance, yeah. who support. You know, they sponsor. They sponsor, but they support. They fund a yeah. lot of these shelters. Yeah. Uh, whether it's drug rehabs or uh, I'm sure we can get funding. No sponsors. No, but, but there's another problem now. If you open a shelter in a place like a group of us opens a shelter, who's going to protect us? Yeah. If you're an abuser and you come to me and I have your wife. Yeah, that's true. You're going to hit me and you're going to hit her and you're going to tell me you have no uh, right to hold her in because there's no law that says that you she can go to a shelter. What about if the wife went back to her family? Yeah, she, this is part of the solution. Is it, is it is it yeah. is it legal? Yeah, it is she, legal. So it is legal. Yeah, yeah, so she course. is protected from that perspective. Definitely. So her father... Her father, so to speak, can still... If she has a friend, her. if she has family, if she has a sister, th- this is yes, resolvable. But, but that's saying that they will take her back. Yeah. But a lot of them are not taking them back because they don't want the trouble. They don't have a problem. Some of them don't have the housing for them. They don't have the financial support. So I'm so, helping now a person who has seven children. Can she's, you imagine? She's not Kuwaiti. She's married to a, a man, a Kuwaiti man. And he, 
he doesn't provide, he hits them, he's under substance abuse and all of that. And it, she's been trying to get out of there forever. And the way we got connected to her, her is through the States. So she sends a message to one of shelters, shelters or support centers. Which is, it goes all over and then comes back to us and we try to help her. And we got her out of her house with her seven children. Now, this is a lot of work for us and it's a lot of um, cost as, as well. This lady should have been in a, not only in a shelter with her kids where it's properly manned, properly supervised, safe. It's very important to be safe, but you'll have to have the psychologist. You have to have the yes. medical. Why do I today, for instance, if anybody is abused, uh, she goes to the police station first. Police station tells her, goes to the go to the hospital. In the hospital, do the report and then come back to me. Abused, huh? So you're telling an abused person to do all of this, which is really ridiculous That's because right. they have a mentality by themselves. You cannot apply the n norms on these people until they become survivors, right? That's right. Outside, what they do in Bahrain, for instance, in the Mustawsuf, there's a police That's officer. Right. There's the guy who writes the report and whatever. Right. And she goes inside the... The room, she gets uh, examined. That's right. The, the a woman goes in from the police, the force, the woman force, and then she writes the report and everything is That's done exactly over there. exactly what it's done in America. Yeah. Because you go to the hospitals, one-stop shop, yeah. and then the nurse or the hospital reports yeah. it, the police comes, Sorry. and they do all the necessary investigation there before she leaves. Yeah. So that way she's not bombarded by going exactly. here and here. And then later so, on, she can press charges in the police that's station. That's right. No, that's and actually different. in the U.S., it depends on the state. Like my state, for example, they've already made that report and they the report gets filed and then she already has a court date. And now if she goes to that court date, then she can press charges. Or if you don't show up, then it will be dismissed. Yeah, that's But true. he gets to, at that time when they're writing the report they already take him mm -hmm. they go find him they pick him up yeah. and they put him in jail for uh two, 24 hours yeah. or two days so so it, it's strange that we don't have such systems we've put that in the draft law for the protection of women we don't have shelters saudi arabia has six shelters by the way saudi arabia saudi arabia wow, saudi Ara amazing but in all honesty not saudi, recent. Arabia, saudi arabia has gotten better over the last few years no it's not recent these shelters have been there for the past 15 years. I wonder how, how full they are. This I, is Saudi. I, that is amazing. And the one who came and trained us, we had a, she follows in a, a British program. She, she came from Saudi Arabia, gave us a one week workshop. And we then gave the one week workshop for uh, other people, including the women, uh, female police uh, force. Yeah, yeah, that's, uh, so, uh, because so, it has, like I said, it has a, a different language. So you, you can never tell her, tell uh, a victim, but, but don't answer him back. Yeah, or, yeah, yeah, or that's right. You can never, yeah. ever give her advice. You yeah, should just right. listen and help her and try to get her out of a very a deadly or severe situation to save her life and her children. That makes sense. So these uh, shelters in Saudi Arabia, are they full? Yep. Wow. Yeah. And then they're able to maintain them. Yeah. And financially, the government is responsible. Yep. Yeah. And so, we, and that's the idea that, you know, I don't know why they wouldn't apply that because normally whenever something happens in Saudi, we follow. Sure. I think Kuwait doesn't, uh, there's no malice in the whole thing. It's just that in Kuwait, everything takes forever. Yeah. This is number one. Number two, I think there's a big chunk of it in the parliament that doesn't want women, doesn't want something that incents women to get out of their home. Yeah. So maybe a girl is... Not a shelter. I think more parents or more families or husbands, at least they're more open to the idea 
that if she wants to leave him, she'll go to her family house. But what if they don't take her? Exactly. So the but the mentality is that if she goes to her parents and she's chaperoned yeah. again, and then she's maintained there. But if she goes to the shelter, she is chaperoned. It's yeah. all women workers. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. But the idea is, is that she's away from her family and away from any, you know, any control. I or, think they don't want they don't want uh, to get they don't want women to have that choice because it's another way of letting go. Yeah, and it is. And going back to your point is like just remembered one um one girl that I was seeing. I mean, she's like 24, 25. That's a while. Well, a couple of years ago, and I remember that she had called the police because her father and her brother were beating her. And then, you know, and the police would come and she'd make a report. And after they leave, of course, she's still there. Everything is there. She would lock herself in the bathroom, right? With her phone and afraid to come out because now they were, the first time she did it, they were angry. And then, you know, and then when we sit and we're trying to find out what other ways you could do to protect yourself. What can you do? Is there a relative you can go to because there's no shelter? Is there grandma's? Is this nothing? So no option but to be able to isolate herself in a bathroom or somewhere where she knows that she doesn't have to deal with them. But then on the other hand, also financially, like to even think about, I'm going to go get my own place, which is not supposed to happen. But they do. there are people that get their own place. But the idea is that, no, I can't afford it because I don't have any money or I think she was employed, but I don't think she had any money left with her. Or she had to, they were taking it, but I can't remember the detail, but just the idea of like, you know, this thing, like if I had money, I probably will be able to find some shelter roommate or whatever, but not even that. So you stay there until you figure out, you know. So in the center in Bahrain that we've visited a while ago has a whole group of volunteers and they take the call. They re- First of all, the person identifies themselves. And if anybody in the call knows that person, she'll say, I'm going to, tra-, without sa- saying so, she'll say, I'm transferring you to my colleague because you should not have any close relationship to that person. Then they ask questions and they start to understand whether she is in danger or she's going to be in danger. So they start helping her out through a whole methodology until either it's resolved by telling her, go to a friend, go to your family member, speak to someone, all of that, until you reach a point where you have to get her into a shelter. At that point, you take her into a shelter or you tell her where to go. Yeah. Do you know that in Kuwait, we don't have rape kits? We don't have rape kits. So if someone is raped and goes to the police station, there's nothing that the police station can tell her to do. Nothing. Nothing. Mm. And then, you know, unless... Unless she goes to the hospital. Yeah, but that's... Maybe sometimes they don't know that they need to go to the hospital and only in the hospital the rape kits exist. Right, but then that means that, you know, waiting for emergency, waiting for your turn, because if you go to these government... Hospitals, uh, you know, there's no, a lot the, of the police. Uh, I don't want to sound ignorant. What is a rape kit? I a mean, rape kit on the before the lady takes a shower or whatever, you have to use that rape oh, kit to like scan DNA to scan, and exactly everything. to find okay, out right. who's yeah, your rapist. That That's okay, right. Yeah. yeah. So okay, we had right. a case at one point. Uh, she's actually European, and she went to the police station and she reported it. They told her to go home, and they'll get back to her in three days. What? Yeah. Well, no way. Not good DNA. Nothing. Alas, it's gone. Oh my God, that is appalling. Yeah, they don't see Kuwait uh, because we've been sheltered for a long time. It's the same issue with children, child abuse. No, nobody hits children. We're all fine. Nobody rapes them. Nobody sexually abuses them. Nothing. And Kuwait has always been, la la la, this doesn't exist in Kuwait. The minute we broke that barrier, 
we had a flood of cases. And when we had the flood of cases, then we realized that we had to have put a system, had to put a program. We have to to recognize symptoms of abuse. We have uh, now the doctors can uh, uh, report a problem with the children, and they tell the police station. The police station will go to the to the house as opposed to before. You're not allowed to the, as a police to go into the house. You you knock on the door, and if the household uh, the man responsible for the house says no, you're not allowed in. They are not allowed in. Right, but even if they go in and they take the, they take the, they can't go in. The well, now they can, right? Yeah, now they can. But what do they do? They have a scan team with them. Okay, and then after that, this person has been accused nope. of removed from the premises where his children is. And then do what? What do you do with he him? Khalas, it becomes a case, and the, he goes through the court system, and he has if there's violence, right? Yeah. But what about sexual abuse by Same a cousin? Thing. Same thing. If yeah. you report it, they remove the cousin the, you, and then they charge them as rapists. Yes, of course. And I'm, it, I'm not saying that when you have a law, things don't happen. They do happen, but yeah. there's a system to tre- start to address it. Today, we don't have a law for women to be protected. We don't have a law to to keep them in a place where they are safe. So at least let's get this moving. So today in the parliament, we say you guys have two draft laws. One of them actually, Amar Tabtaba, it was an amazing help to us. He got five MPs to sign on abolishing Article 153 and he gave it urgent status, Sifa uh, Mustajila. But Sifa Mustajila in the parliament means it takes two years. Yeah. Yeah. So, wow. or three years. So at least he mo- he kept on moving it. And it's he- signature signed. And he's always, uh, honestly, I'm, I'm, I'm very sad that I did not vote for him. He is in my district, but I'm very, very upset that I didn't vote for him because I didn't know him then. And he is a man who is true to his word when he wants to help you with something. He doesn't take shortcuts. That's amazing. And he, he comes across as su- such. Because you really other need powerful yeah, people. There are other members of parliament who also try to help. But there is, as one member of parliament asked us in the beginning, how in hell did you find this law? Yeah. One, five, three. There's two people in Kuwait who asked us this. One, I will not mention his name, but he is in the parliament. And the other one was the ex-minister uh, of uh, justice. How did you find this law, he says. Right. And, and how do you respond when they say, well, we're not using it? No one has got off of honor killing for, you know, off from criminal charges. What do you say? How do they know? Yeah. How do they know nobody got off? I mean, have, since you've been on this, have you seen anyone tried okay, so, using 153? So let me tell you another thing. So this is when we went to the Ministry of Justice. We said, can we get statistics? Because everybody's asking us about statistics. Can we get statistics? Yeah, yeah, you can get statistics. And then we go back and forth for two years and try to find the statistics. And we realized that when a person is tried or when he uses 153 and the judge says, no, it's not applicable, it gets erased from the reports. So there's nothing documented as 153 and he gets tried as a criminal, right? Right. So where is this first info that says he killed his sister or mother based on 153? We don't have information. So nothing is recorded. So it's good. It's It's if they say this to us, we say, well, how do you know how many cases? Because you guys don't keep track. Right. That's true. It's the same thing. Like, you know, whenever I do research on suicide, which I've done two papers on it, it's like people always ask me the other day I was, I was doing one of my show, I was doing it on suicide. And, and it's like, you know, what I was reading up is like only 80 people have committed suicide, 80 cases. And that is the, the ones that are obvious that couldn't. You can't hide it. So yeah. it has to be. They were reported. Other than that, there are a lot of other people that probably committed suicide, but the family doesn't want it on, on their death certificate. So they put heart attack, heart attack. 
or they'll put something like even overdose, which looks like they probably were overdosed by suicide, right? They'll, they'll write it as a heart attack or an overdose, but not mentioning that. So, so whenever people ask me, well, how many cases? 80 is the only reported one. I'm sure we have a lot more. And so it's the same thing as what you're saying is that it's so hard to find out if anyone has used this 153 as a law because you can't tell you if can't they... You can't because nobody's keeping track of it. And right. Even when and that's why they're minimizing it because they're saying to you, Sundus, nobody's using it. So why are you yeah, but then working I can, so hard to... Fa- then yeah. I say, why do you have it if nobody's using it? Why is there a penal code when nobody's using it? Especially like it contradicts another law, yeah. another rule, yeah. right? Yeah. So you either keep... So why are they not taking both out? The, what's the other one says? Mal, the other one? Malzina. Uh, Malzina, that's right. Malzina is uh, according okay. to the constitution and you can't kill a person. You have to go to the court of law right. and you prove it and whatever, all of these. And there's investigation and nobody's killed according right, to that. Right. Yeah. Yeah. But, uh, but... Um, Which is so silly because when they added the 153, they didn't realize no. it was contradicting. No. Oh, no. okay. And then we have... Um, How interesting. We also have lack of statistics when it comes to violence. The last issued uh, statistics for violence was in 2016. We had about, I think, if I'm not mistaken, 450 reported cases from which only 70 were tried. Mm. Wow. Mind you, for, you know, many were not reported, right? So this 40, 50, 450 is a lot considering that, you know, people don't want to report it, but they did report it. Only 70 got tried. Wow. So we, we basically have zero statistics on abuse, mm-hmm. zero statistics on rape, zero statistics on child molestation. No, which we, now we do. Now we do. Yeah. But I'm sure that exists and I'm sure it's existed in Kuwait for a very oh, long time. Oh, of course. I mean, I think that one's a big But where? One. That's the thing. Where is it? Is it with the doctors? Is it with the psychologists? So, yeah. you know, what we're trying to do is, first of all, statistics or not statistics, this this law is a law that should not be in a civilized country. Yeah. Hmm. No, 100%. 100%. Honor killing 100%, is out. 100%. I agree, I agree with you. 100%. Then, then you, but you're saying all the GCC has still have it, yeah, but, which means civilized Bahrain who yeah, has shelter. Yeah. See, now that's even more, that's even more contradicting. Yeah. You've got a country that has shelters that believe in women, right? They believe that women should not be violated against, but they haven't removed 153, which is a violation of women's rights. Again, we are all tribal societies. Wow. Before we wrap everything up, I'm going to shoot some questions at both of you. Now, what are I some... Those. No, at both, at both of you, though. At both of you, though. I'm not a female, and mm-hmm. I can't answer any of these questions. But we, you hope, we hope you got to get into us. I, I, what happened hey, to your... One day, one day. One day. Look, my family wants me to run for parliament. I said, <laughs> I said I'm too straight for yeah. that. <laughs> but here, here's my questions, because these have to do with both of you. Now, what are some recognizable alarms that females could see that raise the alarm bells of, oh... I am facing abuse at home. You mean what kind of signs is that what, to what know that if a woman is, if a woman is, is being, being abused, abused. What, what signs are apparent, could be apparent to her? Recognizable, recognizable signs. Recognizable yeah. to her that to, to her, her husband yeah. is abusing her because some oh. women might think it's normal. No. Especially if it's emotional abuse. Yeah. Emotional yeah. abuse. Yeah. So like financial, said, financial yeah. abuse, yeah. the economic be- one. Yeah. Because I really truly think as a psychologist, you know, you see a lot of times. So for example, like when I get the person and then I'm asking them question like, you know, is there any traumas, any violence, anything like that? What do you do when you're angry? And what does your husband do? Like, these are kind of questions. Oh, no, no, he's never hit me. I mean, you know, right away, it's like, 
no, 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 he's not abusive to me. And I'm like, okay. But then she'll talk a little bit and I'm like, do you work? No, I don't work. Well, you know, where do you get your money? Oh, he gives me like a hundred KD a month. I don't know what you can do with a hundred KD. So the idea is, is that he's in control of the finances. Then she continues to say, just, just last week. And then she continues to say, oh, no, no, he's a great man. But, you know, I have to ask him whenever I'm spending some money, I have to ask him because, you know, the credit card, they give you that message. So he uh, constantly asks her, why did you spend this? Why did you spend this? So, you know, oh, she was talking to me because on how many session and I have to budget it and I have to talk to his permission to allow because he is the one paying. You know, people that are talking like this, you can tell that there's like, I mean, I don't know if it was a financial abuse, but definitely is a financial control that he's controlling where she goes, where she's going to put her money, how it is. For example, emotional to me is like when someone says, my husband doesn't allow me to go with my girlfriend. I have to share location. Uh, you know, I have to get his permission if I can go or not. Then you're probably what are wondering, you know, what's going on here. When she starts to say to her girlfriends, she hasn't seen her girlfriends for a while because she keeps on saying, no, 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 I can't. My husband is home or, you know. So yes. Sindus, in your opinion, would these be beginning signs of the start of abuse or the start of something that could snowball into something weird? Because everything has a starting point. You know, it turns into first, I'm very passive aggressive with my wife. Then I'm a little bit aggressive with my tone and my vocabulary. Mm-hmm. Then I yell Control. at her. And then after I start yelling at her, then I begin begin to push her maybe. Mm-hmm. And then after I push That's her once, right. then I slap her. And then after I slap her, yep. I beat the pulp out of her. She and it is gradual. So is, do you see a lot of cases like Dr. Dink is describing as there's a gradual buildup yeah. to the end or in Kuwait, is it just right away men think that they have the authority to beat their wives or their, you know, the women in their family. So they go ahead and do it. OK, so you have a law that allows men to beat their women. It's called the Al-Darb al Let's translate that. We have a lot of listeners in the States. They're going to think, they're going to think like, they're going to be like, what? Hold on, how do you translate it? Disciplinary. Disciplinary hitting. Disciplinary hitting. So anyway. Islam does not My, my allow. American friends are going to love this. No, no, nobody loves it. But, uh, <laughs> no, no, my, my no, no, American uh, okay. friends, they'll love this yeah. insight that you're giving, by the yeah. way. We don't see many of the cases from start to end because we don't have the knowledge to evaluate these things. But in many of the cases, the abuser will isolate his victim from her support system. That's right. That's a best word. Yeah. Isolate. Yeah. He does isolate. So True, don't yeah. go with your friends. Yeah. Uh, don't visit your parents too yep. much. Too much yeah. So these are the symptoms that home, a woman, the kids, yeah, yeah. a woman should realize that this is the beginning of something that is going to go wrong. He knows that if she has a cycle of support, she'll talk and he won't be that much in control anymore. So they isolate them. They keep them at home as much as possible. Even if she's independent and she goes to the office and comes back, she sits at home. Yeah. One of the classes that we gave a workshop was to tell women or men how to recognize the symptoms or the signs of abuse from people who are around you. That's scary because when you're talking about it, I had a friend who was a, uh, a heroin addict. He, you know, went, got clean, whatever, got married, had a couple of kids and then fell back on the wagon. You know, he was with me in high school. So I knew him and I tried to help him at several points. And, you know, because he had a wife and a kid and his wife was physically abused for years. And we told her, look, you have to leave. You got to get out of this. You got to get out of this. And then he drove a wedge between us and her and, you know, my wife. 
at that time. And now that you're saying it, it's like, wow, you know, I never like I, I never really put those pieces together because I wasn't in the situation. Especially like, you know, earlier you said there was like, you know, some, you know, a doctor, a known doctor, whatever that's been abused. It's like a lot of times we don't really think we think women that are getting abused are not educated or that they don't have a, a job or we just we have this image of them as being this vulnerable, dependent kind of women who are like illiterate. And it's not true. You know, I had a friend. I mean, she was a friend of a friend, very educated, so smart, had recently been married. And one time we were all out to dinner and I realized that there was a mark on her back, right? And here's like, you know, this woman is like almost getting her PhD, very educated. And I was thinking, wow, that looks like, you know, somebody hit her. And then of course, I don't know her that well, my friend. And I was like telling my friend, you know, what's up with her and her husband? She's like, oh no, he's a great guy. But, you know, sometimes like he just loses his temper and he pushes her. I don't know what. So a lot of times it's like, you know, it brings you into awareness that this is not, doesn't discriminate against like people that are educated, don't hit or, or like sometimes it even surprises you because sometimes I'll get people in my, at the office where like she's married to a very educated person, a known person, smart person, and he's the abuser. So you, you, we imagine the worst scenario that, oh, no, no, he can't be so educated. Or like you're saying, like your dad was educated in the U.S. Sometimes you think, oh, they're educated in the West. They should know. Or they're like not half true. American or they're half, yeah. But it's, it's not true because, yeah. you know, they have anger management issues or, you know, they have a lot of also psychological disorder or, um, you know, whatever, poor stress management or impulse in, control. Yeah. And in and, and Bahrain, when they used, used to give us the workshop, they said we would help both partners. We would also help the husband to realize that what he's doing was not the right way to become a proper husband. And a lot of the cases, a lot of the time, men don't realize that what they're doing is wrong. So you can solve it. This is why there's a counseling center or the idea of a counseling center in Kuwait is to bring the ideas it's not just for the women it's for the women and their partners the the husband or the brother and the sister and so on and so forth it's just to make them understand that this is not your role she is an independent person she can yeah. be one two three you know so all right we talked about some of the beginning signs of abuse and everything now say abuse happens what can uh what can a person do after they've been abused here to get out of that situation can they turn to you guys yes um, they can and how could they get in touch with you First, they, they get in touch with us through the Abolish 153 Instagram, through a direct message. And then when we vet it, we will give them the helpline number because we need to vet it. Otherwise, we'll be in trouble or we'll be endangered as well. And then we talked few of our, a couple of our volunteers would speak to them to see if it's really a case where she needs to be removed from that location due to danger or not. And if she needs to be removed, we give her again the option. If she wants to be removed, then we have to give her a shelter. And the way we give a shelter is to get an apartment under our names, basically. And we have a good relationship with a few landlords and they will take her and then we'll bring the lawyer to to ask if she wants to. Sometimes the lawyer talks to her and she says, I don't want to I don't want to divorce or anything like that, but I can't be in such a situation. And then the whole process of trying to mend, talk to the father, talk to this. But the first line of support and even Ministry of Interior now is sending us cases. Oh, wow. That's that's actually wow. pretty good. Now, say they want to stay anonymous 
and they just need that support system via online or on the phone because some people yeah, need we can, that. We can do you, that. You guys also do that. So there but is not kind enough. Of, there's kind of like a hotline. Yeah, so but so is there again, a counselor that's answering the hotline? No, though? it's no. us. Our volunteers were trained. But again, when I say our volunteers, you think we are uh, an organization of uh, 50 uh, people. I believe you're probably 20 or 10. We're, we're, we're five founders, five, uh, four volunteers uh, from our organization and two counselors and one lawyer. So are you guys still looking for volunteers? Of course, we're always looking for volunteers and we want to have the problem with volunteering in Kuwait is also the commitment. Yes, so, um, that's true. That's very true. People don't seem to realize that, that when you volunteer, it's a, a job. It's actually a job, but non-paid job. So uh, You know, I have students always looking for a volunteer job. But they need the commi- we need the commitment. And like, this is something that is a bit of, uh, it's a bit harsh. Yeah. So, so not the commitment everybody... meaning five to ten hours. No, a no, week? no, no. The commitment means that you are with us for uh, the you know for let's say six months or right. eight months. You know, right. not, not oh, I, I don't feel like because I know I had some students to w- wanted or some would students maybe they were there. Love to. Uh, yeah, that would be because I always get and we students saying and you train them. We see? train them on how to call to answer the phone. We even trained the lawyer society because we've had lawyers who talk to the to the victims in a way that was a bit. Cruel. Okay. Now say one of our listeners says they, okay, I want to volunteer. Can they choose in what type of capacity they could volunteer in? It, yeah. Whether it's by, they say, oh, we can, you know, help you guys with social media stuff yes, or we could do yes, research. Or, yes. So, we have two research, uh, two ladies now with us who are doing research. We have a, a gentleman who's going to help us with the social media. So again, we have people who are helping us who are influencers, but they're good influencers, <laughs> <laughs> helping us with new campaigns that are coming up. And again, it's starting to tie the elections with the women and abuse. Don't vote for someone who's not going to help you yeah, as a woman yeah, when true. you need to. Yeah. You know, so we're trying to tie it together. So yes, of course, we're always open for volunteering and we will train them to know if they have the capability. Some of them are psychiatrists. If they are psychiat- psychologists, I mean, or not psychologists, but yeah, Psychiatr- and whom, uh, they had a, a bit of um, graduates, psychology graduates. So okay. these are the kind of people who we can immediately take on board because they know what to do. So yes, unfortunately, I'm not pleased to say this, but we are the first line of support for these people now. Until something happens with Ministry of Social Affairs and the whole system of Ministry of Social Affairs, which I'm hoping to, it will happen soon. Yeah, yeah. Of course, there is a helpline from uh, Ministry of Interior. There is also a helpline at Ministry of Interior. Except I heard that nobody's answering it, It's not the best. It's Kuwait. It's Kuwait. (laughs) It's Kuwait. What can you do? I mean, that's what I heard from my students saying that it's not answered. Yeah. And sometimes like, you know, because I teach psychology and it's like a lot of times the students want to know, like, where can you call and can you have a hotline? And, you know, especially when you're teaching psychology, they want to know all this. Of course. And so even like, you know, the phone number for psych hospitals or whatever, Mm -hmm. a lot of times Mm -hmm. people are not answering. Yeah. So you lose, you lose interest. And and then some of my students like have also been in abusive relationship. And this girl, she was like, you know, her boyfriend was so controlling and abusive and can't tell your parents because, you know, she doesn't want mm-hmm. them to know. And so what do you, what do you do? What it's do you like, do? Exactly. Uh, well, and even me as a psychologist, sometimes like, I don't know what to do. Like, what do you do to, but the, there's a lot to of save it, them? There's a lot of it that, you know, we were hoping to get enough funding to have a, a proper website. We do have a website, but it's, we wanted a proper w- website in which we give free information about what is abuse? Yep. What's Islam and abuse? Because Islam doesn't promote it. That's and a lot right. of people think, like you mentioned before, that this is the man's right. 
the way he control um he needs to do this because he'll go to heaven all of these things and we have we wanted to put a database in which question answer question answer so they don't have to talk to us they can just read and then if they need to answer uh, talk to someone th- there's a chat an so anonymous chat so we chat. have some of the richest companies in the world so that very- provide zero csr we have some of the richest companies in the world and they provide zero corporate social responsibility very sensitive issue that is amazing. They keep on That's telling us thinking. this is a and very I, I, sensitive I br- issue. I bring this up on the pod- podcast right now. I'm bringing this up to call them out. I wish. Like, I'm calling them all out. And we support these organizations. We do. That's the sad thing. I mean, okay, yeah, McDonald's, they, you know, they kill people because of their fast food and, Mm-mm-mm. you know, heart yeah, disease but the and thing everything. Is, uh, but at least they give back to yeah. society. No, and I was yeah. thinking you like know, that. Zane, what do you do? And I'm calling them all out. Like these no, all these and I huge was, companies. I was thinking they, the same thing. They they're yes. the biggest in the region yep. and they provide zero corporate social responsibility for, for this causes issue. For, this for, issue. for this issue and many issues. That accompany this one issue, because if you start with this, with the abuse of females, yeah. it's going to spiral down yeah. to the abuse of children and everything yeah. else. That's and they true. can actually clean up a lot in this society. And they are doing nothing. Yep. Because of the because sensitive the, issue. Be, but this is what on. I was thinking. Like, we've got so many, not only companies, we but also have, we have a lot of it? families that are also but political. Sense, okay, but what's political about it? You're saving I mean, lives. why do you care about the political? You're saving lives. Why do they have to think about it? We keep on saying that this is important. Since you are, it's a human thing. If they ask us to, in a way, sugarcoat it, so we will help you in empowerment, but don't talk about this and do it in this way and do it in a workshop. They'll do it. They'll help us with certain workshops or whatever. But can they give you money to open shelters? That's what we need. Like, why wouldn't one of the big corporate companies say, "You know what? We'll volunteer twenty of our employees for a hotline"? Yeah, I would. Right, exactly. why, Why wouldn't they do that? We will even train them for free. I know. And it's it's for unbelievable. Free. And the the funny thing is, is we enable these large organizations yep. to continue not giving back to society and just take, take, take. That's right. And I think it's I think it's disgusting. Because in Kuwait, there these companies have so much money. But they've they given nothing back to they society. They do. They do give back to society, but again, the causes not for are, this cause. Yeah, the causes are studied by a group of marketing responsible people that will not affect the image of the company that is but don't you think this would be an amazing image internationally forget about local where you're known to have you know supported the first you know the first organization (laughs) that helps with so imagine so imagine you're one of the tip telco companies and you promote one of this right and then you lose 20% of your marketing uh, uh, or your clientele. Yeah, but, that, but what if, if you do gain, lose, what if you, gain you might not. You might what gain if you 40%. Gain 40%? That's but right. What is the, I don't know, maybe they think they're going to lose a lot because of the backgrounds. But maybe they will gain. They'll g- gain recognition, they'll gain acceptance, they'll gain... Uh, I think that they will gain, we have to have some owner some company owner that really believes in this because he wouldn't want his daughters to be going through this. He wouldn't want it. What about the CEOs that are females That's in this what country? I'm saying. We have we have a prominent company and they their their chief executive officer is a is a female, correct? Am, am I Yes, you're right. Yeah. Right? 100%. And she, she and like I mean yeah, two. Oh, sorry. <laughs> two sorry. of them. I don't know. I'm gonna get myself in trouble. Usually, usually I stay out of politics. I'm, I'm but you got talking. me. You got me fired up. You got me fired up. No, I, I think. I think. Yeah, in that's general, true. How about the female and leadership role? Let's just. You call don't it understand. That Sometimes we even ask them just to come to the fundraising of our art exhibition, just to come and pay 
that amount of money for a small piece of... And mind you, the art that we're bringing now are local artists. Young, new, uh. Kuwaiti, Bahrainis, all of the Gulf states, the ones that are new, not the well-established ones, so that we can also help them to become, you know, good at their exhibitions and so on. Just send your murasil and pay, I don't know what, 200KD and get it done. But companies here, they're greedy, in my, in my opinion, because they don't provide playgrounds for children. They don't do anything on the roads. They don't provide signage for people to, you know, like, hey, watch what you're doing. Don't text and drive. You see this in the United States. You see this all over the world that these large corporations will do this, but they'll go out and spend 50 million KD on an aid commercial. Like, seriously? Come on, guys. I got to stop that. I think that. so. <laughs> I'm not going to get any sponsorship. I don't really care. <laughs> no, no. We, I think by you saying such things and by us trying to continue to sway them towards our causes, maybe it's something we'll give. And, and uh, you know, keep on doing this and promoting our that's, causes. Yeah. That's the goal. No, that's, that's the, the goal, goal. For, for, for some of the yeah, causes like yeah, yours. I yeah. mean, that's the goal where we have to sometimes... We can't do it through mainstream social media yeah. or whatever. Yeah. So if we can call people out or call organizations out, you know, I'm going to do it. Yeah. You said CEOs of companies. I had fashionistas begging fashionistas to just come and show their face in one of our exhibitions. They wouldn't do that either? Nope. Without money. Without money. Without paying them. I did. Wait, without no, you money? Pay them. So they yes. said, if you pay me, we'll come? Yes. Yes, that's how they come. They come because you pay them. I said just, you know, the fact that you're an empowered female, that you have nothing to fear that you go out and you say anything you want. Don't you want to just give back to all these women whom you're saying you want to empower by, tell, by helping them? And follow in, her. Probably follow, follow her. And just, just, no, it will affect my cause. Can oh you imagine? God. Wow. <gasps> Fashionistas, women. Well, that goes for most of these influencers. Yeah. And I say with quotations yeah. because in all honesty, they're, they're... Why are they even called influencers? They're not influencers. We need them they to influence, influence this. This but, is what we but need. But they influence marketing. And that's, they why, do influence that's marketing. why we haven't brought some of these people on our show. They've asked to come on, yeah. but we've said no. no it's Especially on the fitness one. Yeah. We've said no. We, we couldn't find any other word except influencers. But, you know, it's a wrong word to use. It, for it really is. Because what are you influencing? You're That's influencing right. a whole generation to do the wrong things? They're, That's right. They're snake oil sales. Yeah. That's why I'm saying, why are we calling them influencers? Let's not, you know, again, let's not sugarcoat it. They are another uh, arm for marketing. and uh, That's it. Yeah. And, and we, we have to accept the whole world should know that these are another arm of marketing. And uh, scope it right. So, don't don't call them influencers and yeah. society change makers and I don't know what when they don't do anything for free for a cause that maybe will affect one of the daughters or maybe her. Yes, that's right. You know, imagine if she had that kind of problem for whatever reason. And even if she is, she wouldn't come no. out to support it. You know, it's, it's yep. funny. I know someone and I want to bring this up to them and I want to see what they say. I'm going to ask them. You know an influencer? Like, yeah, I know. Wow, I, you're my role model. I know model. a lot of influencers. Wow. They all hate me too. <laughs> None of the I influencers beg. like me. <laughs> there, we, we had a group called Women uh, Partners in Progress. Yeah. It's part of Abolish. And we got a grant from Maryland University, uh, Khalil Jobran Chair. And that is to promote change in society by bringing gender gap closer to each other. So reducing the gender gap. So how a man would see a woman and how a woman would see a man what is the role of a man in the eye of a woman? What is the uh, the role of a woman? So it was really non-violence, non, you know, no yeah, politics, nothing. Yeah. It's a lot of issues that 
will eventually percolate down to better uh, 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 coexistence. It's funny. They just did an episode on that. We just launched an episode yeah. last week with Khaled, uh, That's right. Khaled Hadid. Khaled Hadid. So, so we did we it. Wrote a paper we wrote it. Yeah. Okay, so we did this for two years and we had a big group of women. And again, we just wanted one of the influencers to help us out because she's empowered. She was empowered. She did a lot of it. And said, can you help us out by becoming, uh, because one of the deliverables was a marketing what do you call them? Like a video, a small video, uh-huh. a small one minute video. Like a video. story thing yeah, or whatever yeah. on, on their feed. Yeah. Oh, for the life of me, she wouldn't give me the day or the night. She would not. She'd ditch me, ditch me, ditch me, ditch me. And then she said, I'm busy. I'm opening a store. Wow. Wow. Can you imagine? That's, wow. that's, that's. And we didn't talk about, you know, honor killing or, or anything like that. We're just talking partners in progress. Women partners in progress. That's sad. And to our listeners, I mean, don't fund these people. Yeah. Like it's, it's, I agree. That is definitely I sad. Agree. Just as an end. Yeah, you know, well, for me, it's like, it really kills me because they'll ask me and my colleagues to always come and do talks and to pre- go on TV. I do it all for free. You know, I have segments, you know, on Kuwait TV for free for uh, the last year and a half. I've been doing it. Anytime I'm asked to make a, an appearance, to do a workshop at a university, to do whatever, I do it for free. And I know a lot of my colleagues and even my colleagues who are a lot more famous than I am, you know, several psychiatrists who are very well known here, they do everything for free. And then what kills me is like, and then when you ask about these influencers or fashionistas, and then you find out that they were invited for half an hour for a big number of money, it sometimes you wonder, you know, it's like people's priority are really... They're not, the influencers, not you, huh? And they're the influencers and not me. Exactly. Exactly. Sad. And that's, a lot of my colleagues and I, we laugh at it. I mean, this is my civic duty. Yeah, And exactly. I will always do it. Of course. But the idea is, is that whenever we are invited and if I say, no, you know, you have to pay this or that, unless I'm traveling somewhere. But even then, a lot of times they'll negotiate yes. with you. And you've got someone saying, oh no, for half an hour, I brought her to open one of my client was saying, oh, I opened a restaurant, I don't know what, or his partner, oh, I brought this fashionista for half an hour. It was like 3,500 dinar. I said, what? Can you imagine? I was like, wow. But he's like, well, she's got the followers. What can you do? Well, in, in all honesty, if you really want influencers to help you out, go abroad. Because in the United They'll States, it's, it's funny because I've had, we've had two or three guests on our show from the United States, way more influential than the people in Kuwait. And they actually have a good message that they're putting out there. Like I applaud those people in the Western society because I think they see the value of corporate social responsibility oh, yeah, yeah, in a brand yeah. versus here where they want to sell everything on, you know, these apps and they want to sell right. everything. And uh, thank you so much. You're for very welcome. Thank you. I, like you definitely shocked me. You should see what we go through every day. Uh, I, no. I, I can imagine. And, any support you need from Thank us. You. If you guys even want to throw on a commercial on every one of our shows, okay. I have no problem with that. Thank you. Just let me know and we can definitely work with you guys to support you in any which way yeah, possible. Yeah, me too. Thank you. Me too. It, you I, ever, I mean, I've told you this yes, before. Yes, of course, yes. But anytime you need me, you... You Thank need, you so need much. to help I really you with any of this. the of these victims or you yeah, know survivors yeah, as yeah, we call them. Yeah. Please let me know. I, I don't will. mind at all. Of course I will. Yeah. And, this I well, you know. do. and anytime you have a message or anything new that pops up with you guys that you want to come on the show and talk about, without a doubt, just reach Thank out. Thank you. I, I really appreciate this. And you know, 
all of us work in a community and we all work together. A lot of good around us, but we just have to tap into it. But it's amazing that you and the other co-founders have put this because it's all volunteers taking time from you and your yes. family and your kids. Yes. This is an amazing cause. But I mean, you, when you believe in something yeah. and you want to make a change for you, you amazing. it's also a change for the our kids as well. But that says well. a lot about you as a person. Thank you. No, this. but I think, you know, there's a lot of us like this in Kuwait. I think in That's all nice. over the world, we just have to continue the work and have the right support. I keep on saying we need to get people to think, like you said, these organizations need funding, need help. And since they have the right message, why not? Why not help them? You know, whether it's us or someone else. Yeah, it's true. Thank you so, so much. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Good luck. Inshallah. <laughs> Thanks for listening to this episode. If you enjoyed it, please head over to iTunes to subscribe, rate, and leave a review. You can also find us on Instagram at The Project Kuwait. Thank you, and join us next time.